You're listening to Voice Memos, the show about two longtime friends who have informative yet brief discussions about multitudinous topics. If you want to go deep into a topic, this is not the podcast for you. We keep it shallow. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jen and Myron. I'm busy. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're going to Monterey. You're, you know, enjoying your six mile walks. You know, oh my God, the life. Hey, when's the last time you went to Monterey? I probably for my girlfriend's wedding eight years ago, nine years ago. Oh my God, that's a long time. That's a long time. Maybe it was, maybe it was, I think, I feel like it was like eight years ago and it was a wedding in which her husband had like apparently cheated on her. She found out right after the wedding. Oh, I remember the story. Yes. Like he was, he was talking to women and getting them to give them, give him their panties. (laughs) i'll just let that sit there for a second (laughs) so was he having physical activity or he just was into women's underwear i think it was a combination of both and was the did he want clean underwear no (laughs) (laughs) and i think it was 2018. That's when I went there last. So what is, how many years ago is that? Six? Oh, yeah. Six years. Okay. Six years ago, sir. Look, I don't want to king shame people because if that's what you're into, worn women's underwear and you have a a partner or you are, you know, you know, in a entanglement with someone and then that's what you like to do, then you enjoy your used worn underwear. <laughs> king shaming. <laughs> We don't kink shame here. So no kink shame. yeah, that was 2018. And I what? was, I actually did their wedding. I was their um officiant. Officiant. Whoa, that's yes. pretty cool. Yes, Wait a minute. And yes, so yes. is that the only time you've done that? Um yes. And you know, I think I was the officiant at her, yeah, at that wedding. So actually, it was way before that because she got married again mm-hmm. in 2018. So, her, you did, oh, you did that one too? No. So, her bachelor okay. party, her bachelorette party was like 2014. So, she probably okay. got married that same year, right? So, 2014, huh. was mm-hmm. married for maybe a year or two, got divorced, then got married, got married again. But I was her officiant i was her officiant at her first wedding so it has been like nine years so i was pretty close nine years since i've been there okay so you did her wedding and um no you did her wedding. i know where this is going no 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 no. i'm trying to say no and and she got divorced and she got divorced from that guy she got divorced from that guy like a couple years later he he was the panty and she thought so she found out girl let me tell you she, yeah, this year it is. She um started creating accounts and pretended to be another girl texting him. So he was saying stuff 
to this woman, hey, I can't really talk because my wife is around or, you know, just talking about his wife, but he was actually texting his wife. Like she went full FBI undercover. Oh, wait a minute. So she pretended to be another woman. The other woman, yes. And found out that's when she found out about the underwear. What? So (laughs) so she gets into like a a online relationship kind of flirtation kind of deal. And he thinks it's legit. Yes. And he's hiding it from his wife. And then he asked her for some underwear. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Asked his wife after he said he was no longer talking to other women. Did did she send him her underwear? No, she did not. (laughs) She did talk to, God, I hope I get this this, uh, story straight. She did talk to one of the girls that was doing it. Like, I guess she found out that it was oh. her, he was married. So then they reached out and started talking to each other, but he got caught and then said he would never do it again. So oh. that's when she went undercover and posed as like some single hot female oh, that he started talking to. Oh, and why God. he's talking to her, she's sitting on the couch next to him. He's oh. texting his oh. wife, who he thinks... We think it's another girl. You know what? I was talking to my friend Jody, and I was telling her all these stories about my life, you know, through the years here in California. And she's like, God damn, I didn't know you had so many interesting stories. And now to think about it, like this That's is a, great a story. juicy story that I have never shared with that you. That is some juicy <laughs> story. And she's right there on the sofa. They got they got they got dateline on, <laughs> and he's he thinks he's being slick talking to some woman and his wife is right there and she's the one talking to him. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Two things. One, men are dumb. Yep. And then two, women are really slick. (laughs) So, so slick. Like when you don't think we know, we know. (laughs) Uh, And so then, okay, wait a minute. So then she confronted him at some point. Yep. Right. She said like, I, I, I'm the floozy you're flirting with. Yep. Oh my and God. And then he confessed that, you know, he was a sex addict and needed help and, you know, went down mm. that funny trail. Went down that. Okay. But they got, so you married and they got divorced. So 100% of the people you have you've married have gotten divorced. <laughs> <laughs> See, I. <laughs> If you want to be clear about the statistics, yes. Right now, my streak <laughs> of long-lasting relationships that I officiate have ended. <laughs> You're ranked at the bottom. <laughs> Successful <laughs> marriage officiates. <laughs> no one's knocking on my door asking me to marry them. But they Google, you're on page 15. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes. So there you have it. Uh, I don't even know how we ended up here. Oh, the last time I went to Monterey. Yeah. Yes, Monterey. So we're, so uh, Eliana has never been to Monterey. Oh. So, um, and because she's off work for Thanksgiving week, uh, we said, oh, let's, let's go somewhere. Like a short little trip leading up to before Thanksgiving when all the travel gets really crazy. And we were going to try to go to, like Sonoma or Napa, but sir, looking at the hotel prices in Sonoma and Napa at not, at first I went to like what I thought was like a mid-range hotel, right? And those rooms were 350 and 450. And I thought those rooms aren't meant for me. 
Like that's not meant for me. And so then I I went to you know more chain type hotels, and those rooms were two fifty. And I thought I, I can't do that. So then, and we've been in. She's been in that. I took her there once before. So then I thought, well, maybe we'll go to Monterey because she's never been to Monterey. And I thought, well, the the, the hotel prices will be a, a little less. And you know, they were a little less, but not a whole lot. Like hotel prices are really high right now. So, and and the hotels that's right on the little pier there, you know, where the cannery is and the aquarium is and yes, all that stuff. Yes, yes. Those hotels were. Also, two fifty to three hundred a night. A night. Yeah. And so I found a hotel that's probably like a mile away, more close to downtown Monterey, and I got one for like one twenty two a night. And I thought, okay, I, I could do this because it's only a mile. Whether we walk to Little Pier or drive and park, you know, it's not that far. So anyway, that's where we're going for the weekend. Yeah, you know what's crazy is that getting the hotel for New York for your wedding which is like in upper east side manhattan a nice area right it was only two now i say only that's privilege saying only 250 but 250 it's not a bad oh, deal huh that's not a bad deal so i mean right across from the the venue and you know you're in upper yeah. east side manhattan like you i don't think I'm saying that because when I first thought when you were getting married there, I was like, well, those are going to be really expensive hotel rooms. And then lo and behold, it was two fifty. Now, yeah, in the grand scheme of life, $250 on anything is expensive. But mm -hmm. um, when you compare to what you just said in Monterey, where right? it's Mon it's Monterey, like, yes, it's beautiful, but it ain't Upper East Side, New York City. Where yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah so it's a pretty good deal. And I haven't been to Monterey in probably like, four or five years or so so you know it's her first time she gets to see the monterey bay and i don't know if we're gonna go to the aquarium i mean we probably will because it's right there but also you know just sort of do what everybody do a little tourist you just sort of walk around see the shops and you know this kind of stuff see the seals or the sea otters or whatever's down there and just do our little thing are you gonna take are you gonna go like to carmel and all that or do you drive through carmel to get to there i don't think so so you could do from monterey carmel is south you could do there's a couple yes so we're, i don't know if we're gonna do that you could okay. do that 17 mile drive yeah you know, down the coast you know that, that's that, what it is. that famous drive that's um it's really beautiful for the passengers in the car yeah right <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah, you're the driver, man. You were focused on that little narrow road, you know, and it's anyway, there's that. Or you could take the, the main highway there. So I don't know. Like we haven't decided how we're gonna do it yet. So we'll we'll, we'll sort that out. But that's like our holiday plans. Like we're gonna do that and then um come back. I think we come back Monday morning, is is what I think. Okay. And she's off for the week and then we plan to do, you know, the Sacramento thing, go up to um, Apple Hill Monday oh, or Tuesday God. or something. I know, like do that whole thing, get some apples, some apple pie or, you know, whatever. And that's really about it. Like I have some family and friends coming over for um, for Thanksgiving. And you know what? This is going to be pretty mellow. My bestie, my female bestie, she went up to Apple Hill last week and she said it was an absolute shit show oh like, my god I the lines ready. were great it was for veterans day so that friday everybody was off oh so, it was packed 
it was packed. Like the shortest line was getting apple cider or something. <laughs> oh my God. I was dreading that. And I figured now to Thanksgiving, it's going to be a mess up there, huh? <laughs> it's going to be a mess because people are off and the weather is yeah. supposed to be crispy fall weather. So nothing like an influencer heading up to Apple Hill to get some. Oh uh, God. Yeah. You know what? Maybe, maybe, all their pictures. I know. Maybe if, if, if we do somehow make it, oh, you know, maybe, maybe we go after Thanksgiving, like maybe, you know, I, it's going to be bad from now to Christmas, right? It's yeah. not going to be good. Yeah. 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 Um, so I had a, you may not know this, or maybe you do, but I had a little bachelor party this past weekend. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> no hookers or blow because that was yes. not on the table. <laughs> now, was this your first ever bachelor party? Now, you've said on this podcast in the past that you have been married before two times. Yes, yes. And any of those times, did you have a bachelor party? I never did. That's now, insane I, to I, me. Isn't that something like I never had a bachelor party? And, um, because, you know, I'm not really like a party kind of guy. I don't drink. And, you know, I don't mind going out to like a bar or a nightclub or something. But more as a spectator. I'm just a spectator. Like, you know, that's just, I'm a very mellow, boring kind of guy. So I never did it. I never did. You know, guys, you want to go to strip clubs and all that kind of malarkey. I'm good. You know, even in my 20s, like that wasn't really, really my that deal. So. Thing. So maybe yeah. no one had one for you because they didn't know what to do yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm more of a freak behind the doors into my own privacy, <laughs> my home. Like, I'm not out on the internet asking women for their used underwear. Like, yeah, that's no. not really... <laughs> Way to bring that back around with, with, all, this, <laughs> with all this malarkey. <laughs> okay, you know, okay. Okay, before I go to the bachelor party, so you think I was thinking of that story. Thinking, do I, do I know any stories like that? So I don't know one like that. But I do know a secondhand story that is that is way cr- is cringier. Oh. So, so a family member of mine used. To, um, so she told me this story, and it was a, it was a it was a lady that she worked with. So this is like third hand. But the lady she worked with told her that she and her husband were having some problems in the bedroom. Okay, and they had been married, you know. I forget, but it was somewhere 10 to 15 years, like a long time. And so through a series of conversations, um, lady told me that um, that when she married her husband, they had the problems immediately. They had the problems before they were married and she thought they would go away. And then they had the problems after they were married. She thought they would go away. And even after having a couple of kids and the problems never went away and and she finally, she had just sort of accepted, you know, this is just, this is just his deal. Um, and then in telling my, <clears throat> uh, this relative of mine, I was like, no, this is not normal. Like you need to get, um, you need to get him into some therapy. Oh. And she said, you really think so? She's yeah, he, he needs therapy. You got to work this out. This is not normal. And so, so, so my relative was telling me this story. I said, well, what, what was it? And she goes, when they have, when they have sex, that when he starts to ejaculate, mm-hmm. right, he starts saying, he starts crying and, <laughs> like, and, and crying like tears and saying these words. So, so, right, it's already a little, it's already, it's already getting the cringy. I'm right? already <laughs> holding my breath. Okay. <laughs> 
He's there saying, oh my God. He's there saying these words. Mama, I'm sorry. Mama, oh. I'm, so, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. That is no. 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 You were not expecting that. I was not. I was, I was not expecting that. Yeah, someone definitely. She thought it would go away. Thought it would go away. <laughs> Mama, I'm sorry, Mama. I'm so sorry. Every time, years. Oh my gosh. Years. I don't know what ever happened with that. And maybe, 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 you know, my um. My uh, relative told me the end of it, but I I, I blocked it out because after I heard that, I thought, okay, I'm done. I, I can't listen anymore. <laughs> I, can't, I can't listen. <laughs> That's probably the single worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that is real cringe. Um, I mean, you might as well put that, if you had to categorize, both of them would be dirty panties and apologizing to your mom during the second <laughs> Really? I wasn't, right. So I, I topped your story. I didn't like I wasn't even trying to, but that story is just bonkers. So so yeah, so I had a bachelor party thrown to me by my best friend and my my groomswoman, you, and we went bowling. So fun. It was fantastic. And and what's funny is, you know, just so how just show how you know how mellow I am, that not only did you throw it, but my fiance and my daughter were there at my bachelor party. <laughs> And and your daughter's best friend, who yes. is sort of your surrogate daughter. Yes, yes, like that was that was the deal. So, and you know what? I am I have not bowled in probably seven or eight years, or it, maybe even longer. And I was unaware of how modernized bowling alleys are now. Yeah, you couldn't get over that. I, I I'm still just like I can't believe it was really nice. And so just to make the picture where people, you know, you know, you get your shoes. They don't take a shoe anymore. They they used to hold on to one of the shoes because I guess people in the back of the day were stealing bowling shoes. I don't really know. So you get your shoes, and then at the end of the at the end of the each lane, you know, there's like 38 lanes, and on the wall where there used to be like dumb stuff or painted walls and stuff, now there are big screen TVs showing multiple sporting events. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And then um, the little monitor where you put in your names and stuff. It's just a tiny little thing. It's not this giant monitor thing anymore. And then the food is refreshed and there's music going. It just is like, it's like being in Dave and Buster's. Yes. Yeah. That's our, and it, the, the place was just, and it was clean, you know, and it was and clean it and it didn't gas. smell like Lysol. No, <laughs> from the shoes. It was good to celebrate, you know, and we, of course, I had to make you wear a little sash that said groom's groom yes. to be. Uh, yes. So I'm glad we were able to do that. I'm glad everybody was able to come together to do that. Because I think that's important when, you know, when we think about the commitment to something and being able to celebrate that for yes. each person. So for the groom and the bride, and I'm glad that Ileon was able to, to yeah. join us because we're sitting at home. Doesn't that, it, it, right. it wasn't like a bunch of men hanging out, going someplace. It was really just to get you out and to celebrate. Yeah. You know, you yeah. And, yeah. And you know, I was thinking, and one of the reasons I'm really appreciative that you, um, you put that together is that, you know, at some point, I think, I don't know, but at some point, my daughter's going to get married. Yeah. Right. And so 
one of the things about, you know, parenting is that you're always modeling things for your kids, even, even when you're not intentionally doing it. Right. And I don't know that she'll ever get married in any traditional way or untraditional, or I don't know if it'd be a male, female, big wedding, little wedding. I don't know any of those things, but I feel really blessed and honored that she got to see me, you know, and she's getting to see me go through this process. Yeah, that's right. I I, I really like that because that that's a, you know, these are memories for her. Yep. Right. These are memories for her. And and that never goes away. And then I like her to see. I told you this before. I like her to see the normalcy of grownups, um, men, and, particularly women, but also men, but also women who just live their lives, have a little fun, and they're not like, you know, they're not on Instagram, they're not influencers, or you know, they're not gangbangers, or they're not, you know, just out tearing up a bar or hotel room. Not that all those things are bad or anything, but I like her to just see normal things as well. Yeah. And to so see yeah, that that was- you can be around women that aren't sitting, talking, talk, sitting around talking about their bodies, their looks, yes. you know, it, yes. we don't always talk about work. We just actually let our hair down. We laugh. We have yes. a really good time and we don't take things so seriously. I think that's a really good example. Yeah. Not talking here. about men or boys or not being in competition with girls or women yeah that's like you yes. said let's turn down and just just be in that relaxed state and that's a look there's a lot of value to that and and i talk about a lot that you know I, i've told my daughter this i go you mentioned any holiday or special occasion and i can tell you about a time that my father fucked it up yeah Right. It, it, I, it, no matter what the holiday, it could be it could be Arbor Day. I could tell you a story of somehow how he messed it up. So I really like, you know, imprinting on her to just just the normalcy of things. Like you said, women could just let their hair down and just have a good time. So it was a lot of fun. And I, I won the first game. My high game was 154 and I voted mm-hmm. years and I dominated that game. Okay. Dominated. Okay. Um Yes, you won the first one. I won the second one. And of course, I won the third. <laughs> Listen, I, I was done. I said I was going to have, you know, throw you a bachelor party. I, I didn't say I was going to lay down and let you in. <laughs> <laughs> like, you couldn't give me that. You couldn't no. give me that. <laughs> While you were munching on French fries, I was learning the lanes. God, those French fries were top notch. They were really good. They were like, so good. Those fries and that um that those pretzels, so good. And the oh, and the cauliflower bites oh, the uh, cauliflower. in Buffalo, like it was, it was it so was, good. So it I'm was wonderful. It. Yeah. yeah, it it was it was wonderful. And even the arcade, like the and the, the bowling alley was broken into two parts, like the main giant bowling alley, you know, 38, 40 lanes or whatever, and then a little side one that was probably like ten or fifteen lanes. And it was it was it was very lounge like, but it was like families there. And I thought this is a great idea because sometimes you you need a smaller space for little kids because yeah. they just operate better in smaller spaces. And I thought, what a great idea! And then the arcade, yeah. And there's no more coins or quarters. It's just a little cart. Maybe I'm just late to the party, but I think they've really done a great job uh, modernizing bowling alleys. You know, it's funny that you just said something 
um, in regards to how things change, right? So you know, and the audience knows, I think I've talked about it. I have two nephews. One is going to be, well, he's 15. I hate when people say, this is the thing I hate when people say he's going to be 16. Yeah, because that's what comes (laughs) after 15. So just say that he's 15. So, and my other nephew's 13. Both individual kids, different personalities, both really funny. So I mm. enjoy, you know, they now they have a sense of humor. Now I really enjoy being around and talking to them. So nice. my sister um, started videotaping them, uh, video recording them on asking them questions on what certain things are that we grew up with. For example, she asked what a Walkman was. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and my nephew said, it's the thing that you walk back with when you're measuring. <laughs> it's like that lady on TikTok. Everybody's so creative. Like he thought of something. He thought of something. That's fantastic. 100% wrong, but he thought it up. <laughs> and they, she asked about a collect call. Like, what's a collect call? And he said, it's just like you get, you get everything collected, all your calls just collected into one spot. <laughs> get a bucket of calls. <laughs> so what was funny about that is <clears throat> I can think to myself, I'm pre-tech, you're pre-tech. So fax right. machines, MapQuest, you know, yes. having to yes. print up, using maps, all of that stuff. So I thought to myself, what if, what would my parents, because my parents are both 71 or 72 years old, so they were born in the 50s. What would they ask me that I would be like, what are you talking about, right? That, so That's like, a great question. What it, What is it that you could ask me? And my mom said, what is the party line? And I said, oh my God. <laughs> I said, the party line is like, everybody gets on the call with your friends and it was advertised the party line. She's like, no, the party line in the 50s was that phone lines were shared with your, like everyone. So you would have to get on the phone, tell the person that you need to make a call. Who was ever on that line, that party line, you would have to say, hey, Bob, next door, Bob, I need you to get off the phone because I have to call my mom. Like, oh my God. You could listen in to other people's conversations. You just join in. (laughs) You could just join in. So you had to wait until someone was done making a call and having an operator connect you costed a lot of money. I didn't know that. Like that's I, I bonkers. I didn't know that. Like you join that. in, you join in, and Bob is asking some lady for her underwear. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I wonder. I wonder how many things that's that wild. you and I would not know that are our previous the boomer generation let's just say that the boomer generation would be like do you know what this is and we would come up with some term like my nephew did with the walkman you know you're measuring something and you're walking what what would we say to somebody that said do you know this and that's funny i wonder i don't know many boomers my parents are one of them a Mm. set of them so it's a good question if you talk to a boomer would there be some could they ask me a question that's very similar to what is a collect call? Yeah, you know, the one that, that immediately comes to mind is, you know how they used to have those five-digit phone numbers and it was a name, it was a word before the phone number? What? Yeah, it would be like, it would be like, I want to, um, um, operator, connect me with Sutterville 85344. <laughs> what? Yes, it would be like, it would be, there was a word 
before the numbers. I didn't know that. See? Yes. And I only, I only learned it from, because I've been in the telecommunication industry for a long time. And and you if you watch an old movie, sometimes you hear that. And one time in my 20s, because I worked for Sprint, and I was in my 20s, I was watching an old movie and I heard that. And I went to work and it was an older guy. He was a, he was a bluer, right? And I said, hey, do you know what it means when I do that? And that guy cracked up. He goes, yeah, so areas and areas of cities would have a designated word or name. Like an area all, code? Yes. And all the numbers would follow that name. So you would live in an area that, you know, Natomas. And so you would tell the operator called Natomas and then these five digits. Wow, and Natomas would tell them, yeah, it's wild. And, and, and people would just say that off the top of their heads like it was nothing. You were like, what are you saying? Like, what is this? And it's how they told phone numbers. <laughs> so see, like you and I could sit and go to look at history and know that, you know, you we had the gold was valued before money, before the paper dollar. Like from history, yes. you see, you know, we know planes and cars. And, and my great grandfather who died at 104 years old, I believe was born in 1898. Oh so he God. saw the evolution of all of that, right? So, so, much. so we see... Now, no one's asking us or saying to us, what do you think a plane is? Or what do you think a car is? Like, right. you know, that's just generational. But I wonder um, what other things that somebody would say, do you know what this is? And what are, how we would respond to that? So that's pretty wild. question to ask some boomers. I don't know many. So if you do, because you're older. I got, yeah, I got an uncle and a couple of aunties that are sort of older. I'm, I'm going to float that question out. Like, what are some just some random knowledge things that, yeah, like they just know that. Yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't know at all. I was going to say before we get into a little bit of some heavy stuff. Yes, let's do it. You know, last week we had the I hate things. And I have to tell you two things that I cannot stop hating. And it's driving me bonkers. So one, I hate when fruit says it's seedless and you go to bite it. And there's seeds in it, like fucking grapes, man. <laughs> I I get so mad. It's like these big green seedless grapes, and it says green seedless grapes. The You're worst. so excited, you bite into it, and you crunch into a seed. Oh, it rattles Absolutely. your brain. I, ra- ra- it rattles, rattles your brain. It's like, why is this fruit? Why did this fruit lie to me? <laughs> I'm I'm staring at the fruit. Going, why? <laughs> And people that are at the gym wearing headsets that sing when they're listening. (laughs) I don't know what song you're singing. You've got a terrible voice and you're ruining the music that's actually in the gym. Okay. You know, speaking of the gym, I was at the gym. uh, I was there today, but not today, but a couple of weeks ago. And I was on a treadmill, right? And just a flat treadmill at the pace that I wanted, just a little pace, right? And there's TVs and stuff and everything. And I'm, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm just walking, just sort of enjoying my time. And then I'm about 30 minutes into this little leisurely walk. And a lady jumps on a treadmill, maybe two treadmills over from me. <laughs> and I don't know how high the treadmill goes in terms of speed. Yeah. But whatever, it, however high it goes, she put it on that and was at an all-out sprint. <laughs> was she running really hard? And, and all, I mean, a sprint where her her legs were completely spread, like she's running down the street. And I've never seen that. Like, it was an all-out sprint. 
And he, like, Calm down, Betty. And it was like, boom, 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 boom. I, that's annoying. I hate I, that. Right. And you know what? I thought, I don't have the concentration to do that. Yeah, like, I would lose it. Like those TikTok videos, I would go flying backwards into the, into the stair steps. Like, I would die. And that lady did it for about 15 solid minutes. Oh, my God. Yes. Like, it wasn't just for a moment. It's like she was running a marathon. <laughs> like, I, I've never seen anything like that. And I just thought... I'm so intimidated by this lady right now. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I, you're probably thinking, I bet I can beat her in a race. <laughs> I, I felt like I was going backwards. She was going so <laughs> fast next to me. And then when she got off, she just got off. She just towed off. She wiped down the machine and she went about her business. And I just thought, I think maybe like I'm on some kind of punk video and she's like an Olympic sprinter or something. Like, <laughs> just getting her warm up in. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like nothing. Just that nothing. Okay, like let me let me tell you what, what, what since you said oh, wait a minute, you had two things that you said you that heard. was it. It was the grapes and people that sing when they're wearing their headsets at the gym. Okay, that's both are good. Okay, here, here's something I hate because I walk a lot. And I you're a dog owner, so I'm gonna give you this scenario. So I'm walking down the street and there's two ladies coming toward me, mm-hmm. and they both have dogs. Oh, okay. They both have dogs, right? And so just a regular city sidewalk, and I'm walking towards them. So then I have that moment. You're like, okay, what do I do? Do I walk between them? Do I walk to the right, to the left? Should they pull their dogs in closer off their leash? Like what should happen in this? And this, So it's two of them. It's not even one. It's two, two grown women, two dogs, and we're approaching each other. And I was like, I hate this scenario. I hate, I hate this scenario because I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to do. Because, you know, it's just a sidewalk and then there's this traffic on the other side and there's just lawns on the other side. So I don't know what to do. So that's what I hate, that that moment of just not knowing how to get through people there. Well, and really a good dog owner steps aside for the walker, right? Because you and I've had this conversation before where I felt that maybe I, um, I'm not trying to bring it back to me, but remember I was walking, I had Mojito and Mojito is or was a big pit lab mix, 94 yeah. pounds. He can look a little intimidating. And there was a black gentleman walking towards me and I decided to cross the street to go to the other side. And two thoughts came to my mind. Like, well, one thought was like, oh my God, I hope he doesn't think I'm walking on the other side because he's a black man, right? As a white <laughs> woman with a dog. So I was so, I was completely offended because I thought yes. I wanted to shout across the way I'm, I moved because I don't know if you're afraid of dogs, not that my dog would do anything to you, but I'm respecting the fact that you're without a dog. I am with the dog and it's my responsibility to one, to make sure that you feel comfortable so that, you know, you can walk safely. So So that that seems reasonable. That seems re- like I, if I see someone coming towards me and people do it in my neighborhood, they pull their dog closer to them. Sometimes even I'll walk on the on the bark, you know, that's out there or mm-hmm. I'll wait to pass because I'm a dog owner. I, I can go both ways, but not being a dog owner, you that those at the first person should be the person walking. The dog should give the pedestrian the right of way because right. you don't have the dog. You don't have the dog. That, that makes What sense. did they do? Um, well, we got close and then 
they they put the squeeze on me. Like I, okay. I end up in, in the grass. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> they put the squeeze on you. Yeah. And I just I just could see it because I thought, well, it's four against one. And you know what? Sometimes you just like, you know, I don't like confrontation. I was like, I don't want to battle. Just yeah, they didn't budge. Like they came straight. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> they put the squeeze on me. <laughs> holy hell you know this is what happens (laughs) i i really the dog etiquette would be to pull the dog in and give you more of the sidewalk right because the dog yeah yeah i think i I think and i don't i don't i don't know if this is accurate but i think you know there's an american dog owner thing and this is an overgeneralization that that my dog is a little different and special yeah. Right. Because you know, America, Americans always think they're special anyway. Like we all, always. Americans, think, we only think we're exceptional. Like we're yeah. the, we're different. Like the, I, I was talking about that, 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 um, that couple that walks their dog down, down our block and giant German Shepherd. And they just didn't have an leash. It's just having a leash. I just thought, well, the dog knows how to, knows the way to the park. And then the one day I said, you know, your dogs were, I was sitting on the porch and your dogs were on a leash. And the lady just sort of rolled her eyes. And then the next day, the dog's coming by, and I go, "Hey, the dog should be leash." She goes, "No, he's okay." And the dog runs up on my porch. Oh, right. And I go, "No, he's not okay." And and I, and I think that's what it is, is that that she thought, "Well, my dog is. A, I know my dog." Yeah. And and you do, but that doesn't mean everybody else knows your no. dog. And eventually, that they, they did get a, a leash for the dog, and I see the and I see them walking the dog now, and that dog. His dog is probably like twice the size of him. I'm exaggerating. The dog is bigger, but it pulls that rope so tight. Oh my god! Right, and and like the guy or the or the woman when they walked out, their arm is completely outstretched, and the oh. dog is pulling against his neck or her. I don't know if it's a male or female dog, but and I just I saw the other day. I thought, you know, they never least trained that dog after all that time. No, nope. Right, because really they can be trained. They can be trained how to walk on a leash, right? One thousand percent. Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Mosquito was really good on leash. Very good on leash. Unless they saw another dog. So my dog. So he not. He was reactive towards dogs. Not like that. He wanted to kill him. It sounded like he did. He never hurt another dog or anything. He mm. just didn't like other dogs. So you know, yeah. just like we don't like other people. He just yeah, like other dogs. that's pretty normal. But yeah, you should be training your dog leash walking. So my dog, because you know, I'll have my new puppy. On yes, November twenty sixth, and I'm that dog will have a long leash on while it's in the house so that I can, I know where it's at because it's a puppy, right? So it's not biting mm-hmm. on the wall. It's not chewing on cords. That mm-hmm. leash will be on it so that it's used to the leash as a puppy. So everywhere oh, you go. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good idea. Yep. Did so you, very- did you, did you settle on a name? Cause I'm still getting. Are you um, still getting cashew? As I'm still name? getting responses. So, so for our audience, Jennifer gave me uh, three name options that she wanted me to um, pull um, or survey my followers on Twitter. I have 20,000 followers on Twitter. And so I put it out there. I go, look, my friend has a new puppy. And I put a little cute little picture of the puppy. And you know, your three name choices, um, Cashew, Martini. What was the third one? Um, no, it was Cashew, Hulu, and Ravioli. Yes, Cashew, Hulu, and Ravioli. And I, and I said, these are her final three choices. And I got, I think now it's like, 
maybe 350 something replies. And now, of course, the internet would do what the internet does. And people suggested other names. They said why those names were no good. You know, just random internet, you know. (laughs) Adopt, don't shop. Yeah, it's just like BS. People just like throw their agendas out there. But um, what's so what's where you at with the names now? So cashew was the top. I remember you seeing that. Yes, cashew, cashew was the top. is good. Here's why cashew is good. And I'm down to cashew and another name, but and you and I've talked about this, but cashew is cute because it looks like a little cashew, the color. But also, my brother has a dog named Alfalfa. My brother has a uh, my sister has a dog named Bella. And my dog would be a C, so my parents would have grand, fur grandchildren uh, the ABCs, which is kind of cute, right? ABs, they have a yeah. Dog. Um, but I keep thinking about martini. Now, here's Ooh. here's what's funny about cashew. So this is where I, I feel like the sign is. Maybe I'll wait until I actually have the dog. But I listen to Howard Stern. I love Howard Stern. I think mm-hmm. you and him uh, have a lot of uh, stuff in common when it comes to... I. Every time he brings up a subject, I hear a little bit of you in him. Yeah, very and cool. the other day, he doesn't talk... <clears throat> he was talking about Ozempic. And Ozempic, mm-hmm. he's pissed off about Ozempic because what he deemed special was that he is thin, naturally thin and has great hair. So he doesn't like that people can find an easy way out using Ozempic. (laughs) You know what? I mean, there's something to that. (laughs) Right. He's like, this is the one thing I had. I don't have, I'm not good looking, but I was naturally thin. So he's like, I am so, and so before I heard this conversation, I was thinking about God, is it martini or cashew? Do I wait? Mm-hmm. And he literally said, I even have to measure out. I take cashews and I put them in my hand and they can't be bigger than my palm. He said cashew three times in that conversation right before I was thinking in my mind, God, do I go with cashew or do I go with martini? So, oh, wow. That's a little bit of a sign. So I'm leaning definitely right. towards cashew. One of my friends said, hey, just wait until you see it. Like maybe a name will roll off your tongue uh, better than that's good so too. I said, I said, okay. I because to your point, mo- martini is very similar to mojito, and mm-hmm. mojito's like thing was like he was my favorite summertime drink. I don't mm-hmm. even drink anymore. So wow. that's a um, good point. So there's that too, and you know. So I'm down to that, but I'm I'm looking forward to it because I'm I'm prepared, you know I'm I'm ready. I've got my training done. I I got you know online puppy courses. So I'm ready that like really really ready for this to happen. This gonna be so exciting. I'm excited for it. It'll yeah, so is it next? Is it next week? You next the 26th. So oh, a week from this Sunday. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it helps that you mostly work from home. Yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have gotten a dog because right, I don't right. I don't find it nice that some people do it and it's probably better than a shelter or anywhere else. But having a dog in a crate for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day is just they say it should be in a crate for every month of its. Uh, so however old it is in months is the hours that it should be in a crate. So up oh, to four hours. That's so a good one, guy. Month, one hour two a day. So once you get up to four hours. Like that's the max any that's dog the max, huh? break. Yeah, before they get a break. Mojito could stay home all day and never pee. He what he did that, and then I got a doggy door, so he would just stay outside. That dog, I'm gonna tell you, of all the dog, I've had three Jack Russells. I watched, I had a Doberman for a little while, and I had these two uh, pit bull uh, dogs, and not ever did my dogs chew, dig 
destroy anything in my house. They might have piddled a little bit, like peed on the hardwood floor, but yeah. not like I'm telling you, I would I've gotten so lucky. It's amazing. With, amazing. Like nothing. Shoes out and mojito could give a shit. Like shoes were left out. He wouldn't dig in the backyard. Nothing. Nothing. It was just perfect. So I think I think it really depends on how much time you spend. Um, and me working from home will give me that ability to 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 do it right. I wasn't for my all my Jack Russells, they weren't crate trained. That's the big mistake uh, that I they okay. were never crate trained. So I'm crate training this dog because yeah. um one, I don't want it to, it's for its own safety, right? Well, if I right. leave to go to the gym, it should be in a safe space. Two, like if you go to a vet, if you have to wait for your appointment, they put dogs in crates. They, right? so they put them in cages. If you travel anywhere, you have to have your dog in a crate. Yeah. If you're in the car, they have to be in a crate. It's just the safe space to do. You know, you hear a lot of people going, oh, that's, I'd never do that to my dogs. And basically it is a hundred percent for the safety of yeah. the animal. Yeah. Because my, my daughter, she crate trained her dog oh. and, and, and that becomes their safe space. Yep. Right. Yeah, and so, bedroom. yeah, you know, he, he, when she goes to bed, the dog just follows her and he walks into his little crate and, you know, you follow all the rules. You don't feed them in the crate, all these little rules. So that just, they know that's their little, little the safe little space. Spot. And it, yeah. And like, even like when it would like rain or, or be too much noise or some thunder or something, he would go to his little crate. Like he knew that that was safe. Or if you know, try to get in the garbage can and I scream, I'll go, hey, he was going to his little crate. <laughs> so like you never discipline them there, you know, nope. nothing. That just that's their space. And you know, like you said, they feel comfortable. Yep. It's that's like their nice. den. It's their den, you know. Yes. Uh, I, I do I run a little bit of the the issue. So Mojito was part was 90% vegan. I had a vegan dog food for me, uh, ate it. He liked it. If he didn't eat it, I would have given him other food. So mm. um, to anybody before they start, you know, coming on my social media say, oh my God, dogs are omnivores because they have been domesticated for thousands of years. They, they're not carnivores like a cat is. A cat is a carnivore. They can't have a plant-based diet, but dogs right. can be plant-based or they can be um, meat or carnivores, which is fine. That's interesting. So I, I'm going to try a vegan dog food with the dog. I'm hoping that she likes it. If she doesn't, then of course I'm going to find, because I'm not going to force my dog to be something that I want it to be. If it's not something that they enjoy or they like, then I'm definitely going to have to come up with something different. But I do plan on, I would love to make most of my food for them, but I have to wait until she's past that puppy stage because they need uh, so many more, they need so many more calories. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. while they're growing, like the, that first year or so, they they need a lot yep. of fat. They need a right. lot of fat, a lot of calories. Yes, that makes sense. Um, what's happening in the world? Oh my God, sir. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm appreciative of the fact that we got to spend the first 40 minutes of our of our podcast getting sort of acclimated or back to our normal cadence. Also, having a little bit of guilt of that, right? Because you know, you try yeah. to you, yeah. you try to think. Like everything is irrelevant when you think about what's happening in the world. And you and I had a really great conversation, hence the reason why we call this voice memos, because Myron and I probably voice memo quite a few times throughout the day. And yeah. I had mentioned to you that there was some buzz around Osama bin Laden's letter that he wrote to the yes, United States good God. <laughs> before he 
blew up the World Trade Center. Now, the letter was well-written. I mean, definitely well-written. A lot of Quran talk, a lot of um, God talk, Allah. Yes. And there was a couple points that I shared with you um, that one is really, and, and I love for you to shed and to provide our audience with the answer that you gave me, specifically around the fact that in the letter, now you can go to Google and type in Osama bin Laden's letter, um, and it'll bring you the whole letter. Now, in the past, there was bits and pieces of it. This is the whole letter. I don't know why I never thought to look at it. I'm glad the guy's dead. Yeah. He was a terrorist. Like, yeah, peace out, mofo. But um, in that letter, he made a comment about how Americans, you know, when people say not all Americans are right. bad. And his comment was, Americans have the right to vote for people that they can put in place that do not fund wars. Or mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure how to, I, I'm, sure. I'm summarizing it, but, yeah. um, and I thought that makes sense. In some aspect from a logical thinker, mm-hmm. I'm not mm-hmm. as, I'm definitely not as educated. I'm learning a lot about this Palestine and, and um, Israeli conflict that mm-hmm. I should have probably been well aware of, but my privilege just never did. So, um, but I'm learning now. And yeah. I thought in that letter, I thought, yeah, we do have, we do vote. We do put people in place that serve our best interest or, you know, that maybe are anti-gun or maybe anti-funding um, the federal government. And yeah. you came back and said something to me that sort of blew my mind which was Hamas was voted on by their people too. Yeah, the Palestinians voted Hamas in office. Um, I think it was maybe six years ago or something and voted them to, to run the run the government. And I was, I, I, look, world, world, world leaders and leaders in the Middle East and UN were saying, do not do that. Like they are a terrorist organization and they've never given up power. So they got voted in. They canceled all the elections after that. Wow. Right? So to it, your point. It's then, horrific. Yeah. Yeah. And then your point, you're saying that then it's a little hypocritical because yes. you talked about that letter about Palestine and and it was hypocritical for him to say that because then you'd have to blame all Palestinians for voting. Yes, in that's exactly right. Or um, even, even, um, but yeah, because he was saying, well, um, Americans are target. Regular American citizens are targets because we have the power to vote um, leaders and to change our foreign policy. And the second part of that is true. We can vote in leaders that change foreign policy. Like that's that's why we vote Democrats and Republicans and um, for the presidency, for in Congress and in the Senate. That's that's literally what we do every couple of years, every four years, every six years, you know, we, we do that. And uh, policy changes very slowly. And those policy changes doesn't mean that America is not going to invest in, you know, um, our allies or things like that. And he's still wrong that citizens don't ever deserve to be killed. Like that's just, that's always wrong. And I don't care who's doing it. Like, Regular people don't deserve to be killed, but you know we talked about this before. That's precisely who gets killed in wars, yeah. and that's that's been true for a thousand years. 
So, because I talked about, you know, in World War II, it was 70 million civilians that died um, from all these militaries bombing all these cities. And out of that world war came the Geneva Convention where they, you know, drafted rules of war. They drafted rules of war that, hey, we know we're going to go to war, but can we at least have some rules that we abide by? You know, you can't bomb hospitals or schools or, you know, these kind of things. And that has, hasn't stopped anybody from doing those things. I mean, it probably has, it's probably been mitigated, but you're talking high level war stuff. But when you get into like, you know, coups and insurgencies and uh, Russia and Ukraine or what's happening in the Congo or King or Uganda or Israel and um, Israel and Palestine and Hamas, God, those rules go out the window. And so, so someone in the lane is wrong, but he was wrong about that. And I, I tell you a whole nother way he's wrong. Syria right now has been almost in a type of, not a civil war, but Assad there, he's sort of a dictator. I don't know if he officially calls himself that or he's like a president or leader or whatever, but he's been gassing and killing Syrians for, I don't know, probably 10 years now. And, and there's not a word, like these people are protesting in America, free Palestine, free Palestine. Nobody said anything about Syria. What about oh. those people? Like, what about those people? Because it's, because it's, it's, it's a, Islamic leader killing Islamic people who want to be free. And I, I had this long conversation with my daughter last night. She was like, well, daddy, what is this thing all about? You know, and I was trying to, as best I could, give a bigger picture. But, you know, you can't give a bit, you can't give, it's hard to give an abbreviated version of, like, what's happening. Because it's, it's so, it is so big. But it can be boiled down to some you know, some pretty simple things that, you know, there's this land and, and, you know, there's two people that live there that do not want to be co-inhabitants of the land. Like that's, that's a fact. And so, but there's enough land that you can have two, it's called the two state solution, two countries. Here's my country, here's your country. And just, you know, you live here, I live here and, and you establish relations and Palestine got close to that. And the closest they got was under Bill Clinton. Like they had worked it out. They would get most of the Gaza Strip and all this land and territory. And Palestinians who had left could come back. It was called the right of return. You could come back and, you know, Jerusalem would still be a, um, an inter- it would be a, a international site that no one country owned because Jerusalem is like a flashpoint because it's the Jewish holy city, it's the Christian holy city. And it's the Muslim holy city. And none of those religious people can agree on shit, right? So it would just become an international designation. Nobody owns it or controls it. It's just a joint kind of deal. And it was so close. And Arafat was the leader of the Palestinian Liberation Organization at the time, they were called. And the, the, their military wing, the Hamas, were like, don't do it. Don't sign this. They, they didn't want it. They just, they wanted they said, we want every Jew out of the Middle East. That's the only thing we'll settle for. And Bill Clinton told Arafat, you have to sign this. Like, we are this close and we got it. If you don't sign this, you're going you're gonna to ruin things for the next couple of generations. And at the last minute, they backed out. And immediately, Hamas launched what they call Infantile War against Israel. And it's been that way since, since the 90s. 
It just it's it, it, it was that religion. close. Yes, yes, just... is that the Syrian war too? So like Syrian yeah. is now what three hundred, uh, maybe three point eight million people are dead. Yeah, it's a Something mess. Like that. And, so, yes, and you know, it, it's terrible because because at at one point, you know, I think it was like in the fifties or fifty, maybe it was like the sixties. Palestinians settled in. Jordan and Jordan has a monarchy, and when they settled there, they didn't like the monarchy. They started a civil war in Jordan. Jordan kicked them out, and they went to Lebanon, and they didn't like Lebanon was, was mostly Christian government, and they didn't like the government there. They started a civil war there, and you may recall that that was during the time. I think it was in the eighties when Reagan was in office, where they bombed um, the U.S. Marine barracks in Beirut and killed. I think they killed three hundred fifty Marines. And eventually, with the help of um, the U.S. and Israel, they moved. They got them out of Lebanon, and they tried to establish in Egypt. Egypt said, "No, you can't come here because you're trying to overthrow governments. You try to overthrow governments wherever you go," and they kicked them out. And so now you have these nations that surround Israel, Syria, Jordan, Lebanon, Egypt, um, all have said, "You can't come here." And so Israel said, "Well, you can have this land right here." We try to work out something before, you know, in the 80s and 90s, and it didn't work out. And this is it. And literally no one else will help. No one else will help. So, you know, I, I think I don't have a solution. Like, like we said this year, months ago, that smarter people than us have been trying to figure this thing out. And Bill Clinton is really smart. Like he is really smart. And President Obama, President Obama, he spoke on it recently, but he spoke on it. He gave a big speech in Egypt I think it was in 2011. He said, we need to reset Middle East policy. And the policy has to be that people live in peace, right? It's very simple. It's like nothing revolutionary. And that Palestine has to have a state for themselves. And Israel has to have a state with secure borders, right, for themselves. And people need to establish trade. Women need to go to, girls and women need to be able to go to school. Just, you just come into modern society and Man, look, we're in 2023. They're not there yet. And and it, it's a mess because you bring up a good point. Like if I if I'm in Gaza right now, I'm a Palestinian, mm -hmm. right? If I was born in 96 when Bill Clinton was president and almost made that deal, right? That deal almost got done. And now it's 2023. And say I'm 27 years old. Yeah. All I have ever known, right, was living under, you know, Hamas is my government and my enemy, Israel, is at war with them. And all, this is all, this is my entire life. I don't have freedom of movement. I can't come and go. My passport is really no good anywhere in the world, right? I, you know, I, I don't have goods and services. I don't have good health care, schools. I don't have safety, security, retirement, all this other stuff. And that's all I've ever known. That, and that, that, you know what? That's no way to live. Like we know that that's, that's no way to live. And, and I have said, look, the power, the superpower that's there, the superpower in the Middle East is Israel, Iran, and Saudi Arabia. They're, they're the three superpowers there. And those, I, Israel gets along with Saudi Arabia. They both, hate Iran, Iran hates them. And through those three, 
run all the conflicts in the Middle East. Like if if they could figure out their shit, all these problems would go away in the Middle East. It's 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 incumbent upon those three. But then you have, I was telling my daughter, then it gets bigger than that. Because then you have, well, Iran is supported by Russia. Um, the U.S. has his allies with um, Israel. And Israel has made peace. They made peace with Jordan, Egypt, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia. They've made peace with Arab, Arab countries. Like, it's not that it can't be done. Like, they're at peace with all these other countries. Right now, and they have been for decades. It's just Iran, Syria, and Hamas within Palestine. Those that they can't, it just it just is not getting worked out. And but it but again, that's all that high-level political stuff, Jen. If I'm just a regular Palestinian, you know, you and I sit in a cafe in, in Gaza, and we can't, we can't get a job in a call center and travel to Hawaii for vacation or yeah. travel to, you know, the Black Sea in Turkey for vacation or, you know, uh, Monaco. We can't do any of those things. We can see those things on our phones. We can see them on TikTok, you know. We can't do any of those things because we we are we are locked in right here. And that's yeah. that's no way that's no way for people to live. That it, it isn't. That's no way for people to live. And, and I think that I think that is the piece that that many people, uh, particularly in, in this in wealthy Western countries, right? Us, um, those European countries. I think that is the part that people can easily identify with. It's easy to identify with that. You just say they shouldn't be able. They shouldn't have to live like that. They should. It should be better. And I think what's harder to identify with, because Americans love underdogs and the, the the social media storm around Palestinians is they are the underdogs. And I would agree with that from a regular Palestinian individual, right? Yeah. I wouldn't agree with that with Hamas. Like they're not underdogs. They are fucking terrorists. And they're holding, they're holding those people. They're holding those people captive. And but I don't know the best way to get rid of them, right? I don't know. Like, I didn't, I didn't know the best way to get rid of ISIS or Al-Qaeda or Osama bin Laden, you know, Laden. You know, I don't know. But those military people know. And, you know, we in this country, we get shielded from the dirt that our military does on the daily <laughs> like it's not just like desert storm or something it's on the day like it just it just passed in the news the other day oh yeah um u.s authorized um the american um general i can't think of his name he authorized some air stri- airstrikes in uh in syria um some uh, weapons areas with some weapons we saw some weapons coming in from iran those weapons are being funded through syria to hamas we saw them we we sent some jets there. We blew them up. Like it was just like a, it was like a, a two sentence thing. It was just it was done. And 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 sir, Americans can tell you more about the Golden Bachelor, right? <laughs> yeah. Or about fantasy football, or me talking about bowling, yeah. or I really get you know all your knowledge about dogs. We could t- we could talk about those things, but you could go and ask, you know, a random America, what did the U.S. military just do? And, and what country did they do it in? And what was the reason? And no one would know that. Wow. 
like that right there. And right. So, you know, it's, and I was telling my daughter, I said, you know what? And even when we, when the news tells that story, cause I saw that on the news, it was like a little blip, but even when they tell that story, right. It, you and I talked about this before. Or they bombed some, you know, a building where some weapons were. There were people in that building, but that part is never. It's definitely. It's never stated. It's never stated. You know how many people were there and how many died. And I'm not saying that. You know, these were good people. You know, I'm not applying any good or bad to it or anything. But there were people there, and our military did that. Now, if you talk to our military and say, "Yeah, because this is how we protect America," because when we're protecting Israel or England or air base in Turkey or, you know, our base here, our base there, the reason we're doing that is it's to prevent all that from coming to this country. And I, I it's know, tough because you, even tough. Said something, you said something when, you know, grassroots law, somebody that I follow on Instagram, they mm. posted and I, and I'm not demeaning the number. It, I'm not trying to 6,300 children have died in um due to the u.s and israel which kind of pissed me off right. because you right. can't say u.s killed them the u.s didn't kill them right the we did not government kill them. did like right. stop that propaganda but you also said that's the same amount of black women that have died giving birth yeah in, in this country in this black country women, black women's more um infant mortality rate or the maternal um, mortality rate is among the highest in, in the world. And it's highest. Like the capita is like 70 per 100,000. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah. Black women die giving birth in this country. It's like no different than you find any what we call impoverished country around the world. It's no different. Like it's literally no different. No different. And then so Americans will typically say, well, well, it's their fault. No, it's not. Like, no, no. it's not. And well, you know, um, um, they don't go to the doctor. Well, yeah, they do. And we there's a long story with Serena Williams. Like she almost died. And a lot of it is the healthcare system just says we don't think these women are really having the pain. We don't have to look at them as closely and all these things. And one of the results is, you know, it, um black pregnant women dying at giving giving birth. And you know, so my my point was that, you know, and I wrote this in, in my blog. Um, that came out today. Americans spend a lot of time thinking about and talking about foreign wars because it gives us an excuse not to fix the things that's happening right here. Preach. That is, that's exactly, it's like a person that helps you solve your problems because they don't want to spend time trying to fix their own. That, that, that's exactly it. Like like we can fix, because you talked about it before, you know, so much money goes to our military. So much goes to, you know, athletes, you know, or or um, the big Hollywood actors, the stars, not, you know, some of the smaller people, but the big stars and, you know, CEOs and all this money. And I, someone was going off from one of my, one of my comments the other day about, you know, we could, we could fix a lot of things if we just choose. Like, like I was going off about how toll road, toll roads are a scam. Yeah. And someone, and someone was like, no, they're good. Cause you know, if you, if you use the road, you should pay. And I go, that's like, that's a tax on poor people. Right. And mm-hmm. poor people can't afford to just pay extra to be on the road. And they go, well, they can, the other road is free. I go, yeah, but now you're poor. Say you have a, 
you know, a couple of kids, you got to take them to daycare and your time is so valuable. You got to get to your work. That's a shift based hourly there. And you got to be there in time, but you can't go in the fast lane because you don't have enough money like that. That's wholly unfair, particularly since highways and roads are social contracts, like they're for everybody. And so I, I, you know, I was talking about that. We could fix these problems, but the Americans be going, you know what? Free Palestine, free Ukraine. Oh you know, yeah, but let's yeah. not let's let's make sure that everybody can get an AR-15 whenever they feel like. Let's yes. make sure we do. Let's make sure we do um, active shooting drills in school. Let's make sure yes. that we still don't uh, protect and our black and brown people from racist acts. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd. Like, yeah. I mean, we have our own internal wars that we have to fix, and we can look at statistics of you said. I think you said. 3,000. I can't remember the number. So I'm not, it was either 3,000 or 30,000 children have died from gun violence or people have died from gun violence in yeah. the United States of America, whatever that number is. Yeah, like, it's crazy. That's, it's a, that's a war. That's like the war that what's her face, yes. numb nuts, um, Nancy Reagan did, you know, the war on drugs. Yes, they know yes, drugs. Like, yes. we have our own internal wars here that we need to fix. Yes, we do. And we have, we have um, every year, we have more people die on, by gun violence than we had die in like Vietnam or something like that. It's something really crazy or injured or died by gun violence. Like it's just the numbers are astronomical. And it's, it's that. And, and then we just go, well, you know, it's just a, another mass shooting and mass shooting thoughts we, and prayers. And yeah. And we sit here. And, uh, and please, th anybody listening, of course, everybody that's listening, I am not for any war. I don't want children. I don't want any innocent people to be blown up to bits, their limbs right. off, I, hospitals blown up. Like, of course, I don't want that to be the case. I don't. I, right. don't, I want that right. to stop. I wish we could have it stop. Um, at the same time, sometimes I love some of that same energy. It's very similar. And I know we probably have to go. It's very similar when you not. This isn't similar, but the thought is that scammers that spend a lot of try time trying to scam people out of money, if they put that effort into something good, they would probably be exceptional. Yes, exactly. Like if you put the effort into how much protesting you're doing against Palestine and Israel on our own ground here, on yes. our own soil, you could make a huge fucking difference. That's, that's, a, that's a really good point. And I also think that, you know, one thing that government does is that um, the U.S. government does work the diplomatic channels to try to like they've been working diplomatic channels. Right. And so a lot of that doesn't get on the news because if if Israel's is our ally, so typically the U.S. will not blast them in the media. Right. Typically, but sometimes if sometimes, but most of the time they just keep it low key. But our secretary um, has been. He was in he was in Qatar. He was in Saudi Arabia. He's been all over the Middle East. It's called shadow diplomacy. We've been getting with these leaders saying, here's what the U.S. wants. Here's what you know, we want to do. But what the U.S. has to do is we have to use those leaders in those countries to work through the issues with um, Israel and to work through the issues with the Muslim nations to solve some of the the parts of the war that the U.S. can't solve. And so you need surrogates and other from other countries to do it. So whether it's uh, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, or sometimes it'd be like Sweden, you know, you get other people 
who will go and talk to Israel. They're going to talk to Palestine, the Palestinians. They don't even go and talk to Hamas because the U.S. isn't going to have a secretary of state go and meet with the leaders of Hamas. They're not going to do that. But they'll use other countries to do it and say, here's what we want. And we want to have this done. But that just doesn't make the news. But we know they're they have hostages from 40 nations, but they've slowly been letting them go. And they've been letting them go because not just the U.S., but other nations have been working with them quietly to get those people out of there. And what the U.S. is using its influence on Israel is the part that says, you, um, Paul, you agree to pause fighting while people leave, you know, do, on these routes and things like that. And, you know, you sort of do what you can. So our president is not the president of Israel and our Congress and Senate are not the nested as it's called. They're not in charge of that country. And you can tell them, but you want them to do it, but you also got to work with the other side. And so what the U S has been doing, like I, I was just saying, they send their diplomats to go work these deals at the same time, making sure aid and humanitarian relief can get to the Palestinian, the Palestinian people. And even and that's a delicate deal because they don't want that um, aid or relief to get to Hamas. Like it, it, so it's that delicate. Like, how do you get this truck full of medicine, food, water, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you wanted to get to people who've been bombed out of their homes. You don't want to get it to people who's going to use that, you know, to keep themselves healthy, fed, and continue the war. And I, it's hard, like it's hard, but it has to be done. It has to be done. And sometimes you just, you, you don't poke the bear. And I, I think Hamas miscalculated. And I don't think they, A, you shouldn't have attacked, but you certainly shouldn't have attacked a group of festival hippies, yeah. right? That was, that was, you know, and I said to my daughter, imagine if a cartel in Mexico, or Colombia or somewhere have, have attacked a festival in Dallas or Houston. That's what this is like. And then think, what would the U.S. military do if that happened? If they killed fourteen hundred and took two, three hundred, or four hundred hostages, what would the U.S. military do? And we know what they would do. They would level those countries. Level. And we, our military, would not listen to anybody on any part of the planet telling them ceasefire, stop it, mm. right? And on our TV, we would be having flags and ceremonies and you know patriotism, and we would be celebrating our heroes and our champions, and we would be leveling those people. And we would be saying, well, you know, it's too bad. They should, they should have stopped those cartels. And now that they've come to our country, we're going to end it. And we know there's going to be collateral damage. Now, now you're just, uh, you're a child in Mexico, in Mexico City. You're a child in Colombia. And the, you're, these cartels have just brought this on you. And you're yeah. just there. You're like, holy fuck. Collateral damage. Yes. I mean, that's what, the, if, if they did that to Dallas or LA or Houston, our response, we would flatten those countries. Yeah. That's what that's what Israel is doing right now. And yeah. that's why they're not listening. I mean, they, they're starting to listen. And I'm not saying that how they're conducting the war is right, because I'm like you, all of it's wrong. War is wrong, right? 
And I, I wish they would stop. Like, I wish they would stop. But hell, you know what? We're no better. We would do the exact same thing. Yeah. Almost anybody, almost any country that had the power would do it. And yeah. That's, and, you know, like give give giving our audience something to think about. Holy shit! I mean, yeah. we ran a little over today. Yeah. I'm sure you all that this is our holiday gift to you, giving you all <laughs> extra time. Uh, I know we will have to talk next week, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, the shows that we're watching, I am actually gonna yes. um, sign off from you, get comfy, and watch the reunion from Selling Sunset. So we can oh, we get ready to watch it. I am ready for some heat and some tea. <laughs> and some tea so with all this malarkey i guess we should finish here and i'm just ending with your <laughs> right right let's let's get on world world events let's go watch selling sunset okay. <laughs> as i brought up syria i was like man I need to read up oh on my that. god yes. uh, yes. always a pleasure sir i just love you to bits and i look for i have an amazing amazing time in monterey we'll yes i'll send you some enjoy. photos okay awesome Peace out. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Love this podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review. Visit the episode description to find out how you can connect with the hosts on social media. Voice Memos is a production of Dear Dean Publishing. All rights and trademarks reserved. No portion of this podcast shall be reproduced commercially without consent.